Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, listeners, to the Backhanders, bringing you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis here. We cover each tennis slam and are unafraid to slam tennis. My name is Lightning, and with me, tennis's leading voice box advocate, Catters. Catters, welcome. Lightning, great to be with you. I am feeling fresh. I am bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I must admit that I did not catch the entirety of the men's final. It's not at a good time zone here. And for those listeners who are well-cultured, you might actually know that in Denmark we have a tradition this time of year where we don't watch B-grade tennis finals. So I took full advantage of that. I, I went to bed at around, what was it? It must have been like one in the morning. I, I went to bed with just... It felt pre-apocalyptic lightning. Sasha Zverev was leading a Grand Slam final two sets to love. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether it was something I ate. The nightmares I was having could only be equated to having eaten my own body weight in blue cheese because I was hallucinating. I was sweating. (laughs) Everyone in my dream was topless in honor of the big man himself. (laughs) And it wasn't pretty lightning. And I woke and... It was honestly like I was born again. I woke up, the birds were chirping, the uh, sign writing in the sky that I'd arranged for, hashtag Sasha Shame, had been well executed over the skyline of Copenhagen. And thank goodness, because that's, I mean, that's podcast budget that neither you nor I can afford these days, Lightning. But I thought it was a good use of money and I felt vindicated and... Also, just knowing, Lightning, that you texted me after the semifinal and said, in the unlikely event that Sasha Zverev pulls this off, to which I cut you off and said, do not be stupid. This is all just a bad dream. This is part of some sort of experimentation inside a bubble where we take a smart, short Austrian and we take a, a tall, privileged German and we pair them up in a final and we see what happens and the big brother experiment nearly went sour lightning but when I woke up all was good you had worded me up that I would need to prepare a montage of all of my anti-sashisms my anti-sashist regime which I've been peddling for the better part of 18 episodes. I mean, that would be a special edition podcast that nobody wants to hear. But God bless one Dominic team for waking up and deciding to play at least at 40%, which is all he needed to beat the big German. So thanks for the memories, Sasha. I hope you enjoy your third round exit for the rest of your career because it was fun while we had you. Cutters, you are of course referring to the unfortunately lousy men's final that completed this year's Open Closed Open, in which it was a five-setter, and of course, if you've only seen the scoreline, you'd say five-set thriller, but of course, it was two players, neither of which wanted to win the match. It was an absolute (laughs) Barry Crocker. And literally, team fell over the line. To be honest, knowing you would not be awake because of the time zones, I... Could not help myself. I never thought I'd say this, Cutters. There was a small part of me, the smallest part of me, but a part of me nonetheless 
That was just so keen to see Zvarev win, purely to have you wake up and picture your smug little face turn sour when you saw Zvarev as, and picture these words, Cutters, as a Grand Slam champion. It was so close. He was serving for it. So for me, Cutters, I I could only imagine what would have happened for you had you woken up to that. I mean, my dad always taught me as a young boy that there are only three certain things in life, death, taxes, and Sasha's very crap in the bed. And <laughs> it was a prophetic call because Sasha wasn't even born at that stage, I don't think. So I had a lot of questions <laughs> for my dad. I really actually prioritized that ahead of the birds and the bees conversation when I hit puberty because I really didn't understand his take on things. But... Thanks, Dad. You taught me early, and I feel like that held me in good stead for this morning when I had an existential crisis in the shower before checking the scores. Exactly. You know, we, uh, we, we're struggling. It's not easy. We're dealing with global pandemic, uh, imminent death everywhere. But had Zvarev won... Now we would be in a global crisis. And <laughs> it's true. It's true. It really has put things in perspective. It's been a rubbish mm. year. Everyone's been housebound. A lot of people are sick. There's death and destruction worldwide. And yet, just it's the small things, Lightning. It's the little pick-me-ups. It's, it's the simple thing like Sasha Zverev tanking a two sets to love lead of a grand slam final that gives me the shot in the arm i need for the last three months of this turd burger of a year and that's just heartwarming you're totally right about it being a race to the bottom this could not have been a better exhibition of two men who were afraid to reach out and touch the holy grail i don't know whether they watched Indiana Jones on repeat as children and were afraid they were going to be turned into dust, but reach out and grab that metal cup, you donkeys. I mean, it was like, you know, when you're on a Bucks party and they put two guys in sumo suits and make them wrestle against each other, but they both fall over before they actually get to the middle of the ring. It was like that. It's just like, roll over, get up and take some momentum forward, you giant plonker. (laughs) oh there was certainly moments in it cutters in which i was grateful for the technology they'd put there and i was tempted to zoom in and actually take the trophy myself (laughs) i'm like if, if neither of you want it I'll take it. I reckon Margaret Court was getting itchy. She almost jumped onto Court and said, screw you, losers. I'll take it. I saw Margaret Court clad in one of those old-fashioned burglar outfits just trying to do <laughs> away with the cup, which I think, honestly, if, if any final gets to the sixth hour and we're into triple-figure unforced errors from both sides, it should go to Margaret Court just by default. <laughs> And put the entire civilization of us out of our misery. I look forward to that far side cartoon tomorrow, Cutters, of Margaret caught in a burglar costume and the two sumo wrestlers lying backwards, looking face up at the sky. Oh, Cutters, well, 
you are up and about, you're awake, you're okay, thanks to the victory mm. of Dominic team in the men's final. Of course, Naomi Osaka took out the women's, but Cutters, this open, closed open, was more than just a final. I'm keen to dig around, see what else was happening, see what got us excited about this year's 2020 open, closed open. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. <laughs> So, Catters, other than Zvarev not winning this year's Grand Slam, what else got you excited? Lightning, I flagged this up in the previous episode, and I know that this podcast tends to have some prophetic powers going on. And I mentioned when I went all in, I went chips all in on Mother Russia, and Mother Russia did not let the Catters down. <laughs> Mother Russia is there when you need it. Vote Mother Russia. <laughs> In this year's U.S. presidential election. No, um, Russia is, I'm a huge fan of the country. I'm not a huge history buff, Lightning, but I think I think history's on my side when I say Russia number one. And so seeing Medvedev and Andrei Rublev come to the party and take mm. all those before them was a sight to behold. Let's just backtrack here and remember, Daniel Medvedev only last year rousing performance in the US Open final, came back from two sets to love down against none other than Rafa Nadal. Mm. It makes me actually emotional thinking of a final that I wanted to remain watching. It feels like so long ago. <laughs> but Daniil Medvedev dined out on that and he loved the US public. He was everything Nick Kyrgios did physically against spectators in the crowd by throwing chairs. Medvedev <laughs> was doing verbally, you know, saying every time you cheer, it inspires me to perform better against your local heroes i know where you live like he was just next level russian antagonist and he did well but then let's not forget our favorite man child and so often we forget about the baby-faced assassin rublev think of the child cut as somebody please think of the man child <laughs> I know, I've been saying it for a long time, Lightning. Andrei Rublev, don't be deceived by the fact that he looks five years old. He can swing a racket like the best of them. This year in the US Open, that's all you had to do to get in the draw. <laughs> it's very true. So he was brilliant as well. Unfortunately, the two Russians collided in the quarterfinals, and that was not good for tennis. Actually, a rubbish match. Medvedev went further, but it was just great to see the next generation coming up because these two guys... They love a bit of argy-bargy. And that's what I love oh. about tennis players, and in particular, Russian tennis players. Let's mm. remember, they come from a rich pedigree of bastards. You've got Yevgeny Kafelnikov claiming mm. that our beautiful grass courts of Melbourne are nothing more than a potato field. And then you had Marit Safin, mm. who was also a bad boy. What's his Instagram handle? Flying Monkey... Flying Monkey Russ. <laughs> Flying monkey Russ. He was less than stable on court as well. So it's not surprising that when the man-child came under threat, the man-child went into what Freud would say some sort of sexual repression and decided to just shred the banana as we learnt it in sex education. He beat the banana <laughs> into submission and, I mean, did the man-child even get any sort of... I don't believe... I mean, you're, of course, referring to the story cutters where sitting at the change of ends, literally having tossed his rackets, this, that, and the other, 
tosses a banana. I, I don't believe he got a code violation. I, I think bananas are in season. Tossing the banana would be putting it mildly. He <laughs> treated the banana like a rock star would treat his guitar in the second encore. He <laughs> trashed that thing. And I just, I think there's got to be some sort of reprimand. I grew up on bananas in pajamas, and I found that a little too close to home, quite frankly, Lightning. <laughs> Well, Cutters, if you were impressed with his outburst, what did you make of Medvedev's? I did not see any Medvedev outbursts, so please inform me. <laughs> Medvedev's code violation that he received for crossing the net. He uh, asked to challenge a serve. However, he volleyed the return from team and was therefore deemed to have played at the ball and therefore unable to challenge. And he cracks it and then crosses the net to check the spot where the ball was, which, of course, is a <laughs> breach of protocol yes. and receives a code violation. He then goes over to a tournament official and says, he gave me a code. Why did I get a code? And the guy says, Daniil, you crossed the line. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's an instant code. You know that. You know that. And he says, oh, sorry, I think I killed someone, right? Sorry, I, I, I was so bad to cross <laughs> the net. Sorry, my apologies. My apologies to the US Open for crossing the net. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Cutters, for me, what's got me excited has been in a fanless open, the way fans found a way. And in particular, one Italian pizza owner whose pizzeria was opposite the US Open Flushing Meadows precinct. And Berrettini, the Italian superstar, Little Hats as we know him here in the backhanders, would frequent this pizzeria whenever he was at Flushing Meadows for the Open. And of course, this year, unable to breach the bubble, this fan who remained quite close to court 17, this year stood on the corner with a megaphone cheering on <laughs> Berrettini through the bubble. Unable to hear a single fan, but here Berrettini was having his fan in his ear through the megaphone. Brilliant story. I love that. Oh, it's fantastic. And just hearing him sitting there as Berrettini was really struggling away through his matches, hearing, it's a not so bad. Hey, it's a not so good. <laughs> and unfortunately, in that last match where Berrettini bombed out, his forehand was a margarita. It had nothing on it, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Year after year, Grand Slam after Grand Slam. I mean, you make it look so easy, and obviously mm. it isn't. How do, how do you keep doing it? Yeah, look, uh, there's no secret behind it, you know. I mean, definitely a very talented player. <laughs> 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 Cutters, we have just watched a grand slam of tennis. And in this segment, we look back and see who is impressing us, who's rising, who is becoming or potentially going to be the next Fed. And of course, we also look at who is failing to live up to that potential, who is failing, falling in the skid marks of Mark the Pooh, Philippusus, in our Fed Up and Pooh Down segment. Cutters, who is your Fed Up? Well, Lightning, I'm raising the stakes every week because previous episode i'd gone from picking an individual to picking nations mm. and i've decided to go in this episode for gender right. <laughs> yes yes stay tuned for next week which will be uh, as i tackle who's fedding up and pooing down on a race level <laughs> be rather controversial or topical as i like to refer to it but women lightning women i've been a big fan of women for a very long time and i've been championing their cause why can't they swing a racket why can't they serve as my secretary 
in my current employment. You know, there should not be limitations. And I am, for one, super excited about a post-Serena world. Mm. You know, we talk about me, you know, so we, we talk a lot about me. And by that, I mean me talking about me in the third person. It's getting quite embarrassing, Lightning. Feel free just to change the subject once in a while so that... Yeah, so anyways, Lightning, Serena, I, I was going to say a post-Williams world, but let's face it, Venus will still be throwing down thunderbolts at the grand age of 140. But Serena, it's not going to last forever. And what does life look like after Serena? Well, for one, less ridiculous on an outfit level. <laughs> Two, it looks like good tennis. I mean, these semifinals were outstanding. Now, I know Serena was part of those semis and she was playing great tennis throughout the tournament, but it just gave me a glimpse into the fact that there is so much depth in the women's game and I should actually start watching women's tennis without muting, listening to my favorite music in the background, playing Xbox on a second screen and and learning to juggle. So... It's just kind of reined in my focus a little bit more, Lightning. And, you know, let's look at this. You have Noemi Osaka, who I know you're a big fan of and we'll talk about in a moment. Absolutely. In the semis, we had Victoria Azarenka coming back from from the abyss after having a child and going through a lot of personal dramas. This felt like they were back to 2012 again with her and Serena going head-to-head in the semi. We had Jan Brady. I didn't even know that show was still on television. It's just a brilliant result. And that's what we want, Lightning. We want characters. I want friction. I want personalities. I don't want robots, Lightning. I want people who can come out and can challenge. And on any given day, you could have one of the top 20 coming out and winning a tournament. And I think that gets me very excited. So my fed up is women. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, Gunners. Your poo down then. My poo down, and it gives me no joy to say this because I am one of them, is men. Men for too long have been resting on their laurels and enjoying the sweet nectar of the patriarchy. And, you know, let's let's just bring this down to a grassroots level, Lightning. I, I know I'm getting a little bit too philosophical for some people, but when a man plays a sport, he immediately thinks he's the best at it. And it involves ego and it involves just assuming that we are entitled enough to swing a racket. Sasha's very, nobody's actually gotten up in his face and said, Sasha, you know, he needs to be surrounded by alpha men that will challenge him and say, Sasha, you're tall. Okay. There's a lot of other opportunities. Fruit picking in certain regions of Victoria, for example, (laughs) it doesn't have to be professional tennis. And the problem is that men immediately think that they see ball hit ball. I mean, Dominic team, there are other opportunities. If you can finish primary school and, and go on to further education, there is potential. But the problem is lightning that we have been given the false picture that that everything is peachy keen. Everything's fine because the big three. Everything's fine with the big three. Big four for about three months before Andy Murray went full Robocop. But big three. 
They are the custodians of the sport. Two of them are nice guys. One of them is wanted for assault in New York. But generally nice people, incredible performers, and have been there for so long, Lightning. The problem is that's not going to last forever. You know, Rafa's going to retire on the Malaga and chill out. Federer's going to become a Bond villain (laughs) in the future when he's finally outed for starting this pandemic. And Novak Djokovic is going (laughs) to... Yeah, I mean, so seriously, seriously, Serbian listeners, you think I'm going to take my own bait right now? You really think I'm going to finish that sentence? <laughs> oh, okay, I do just want to touch on a couple of points. Just to say that we have seen some of the most exciting women's tennis. The semi-finals of this Open was the four best women. They were cracking matches, maximum sets, and then an amazing final between Azarenka and Osaka. A final in which Osaka was down 6-1, 2-0, and a break point. Azarenka won eight of the first nine games, and Osaka won 12 of the last 16. This was high-quality tennis, high-octane tennis, and was the first time in 25 years that a U.S. women's finalist overturned a first-set loss. It was incredible tennis. You contrast that, Cutters, with the men's final, which was an absolute dud. (laughs) I mean, seriously, look at the fifth set alone. Team break serve, team broken back. Zvarev serves for the match at 5-3, fluffs it. Team serves for it at 6-5, fluffs it. Zvarev down a (laughs) match point, putts over a 63-mile-an-hour serve. A guy who serves around 130 mile halved his service speed for his first and second serve. Seriously, there was no redeeming aspect for this entire match. For me, though, it was the full validation of fifth set tiebreakers, Catters. Seriously, how would that match have ended (laughs) if there was no fifth set tiebreak? It literally would have been a stalemate. It would have been a stalemate. Serving for the match was like a date with Bouchard. No one wanted it, and it always ends badly. It was a shocker. Catters, I've been trolling through some of the commentators of tennis. And dead set, these were some of the tweets over the last couple of days. During the match, one tennis commentator, I think we are ready for this to be over during the fifth set. This is the fifth <laughs> set. Tennis commentators are saying this. Fifth Others. set of a Grand Slam final. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I've had enough. You preempted it, Catters, and you were in bed where every other tennis fan wanted to be. Other commentators said if Djokovic is watching this final, he must be even angrier with himself. Yes, Another one yes. said, one of the worst US Open men's finals I have ever seen. I mean, for me, Catters, this was just unbelievable because unlike Djokovic, neither of these US Open finalists was able to go for the jugular. It was as simple as that. <laughs> Well said, well said. Mm. I did know that Dominic Team said in the post-match that I only wish that there could have been two winners today. And I'm thinking, mate, <laughs> there wasn't even one. <laughs> We'd now like to take this US Open Cup and cut it in half uh, in honour of what we've just witnessed. Uh, Lightning, who is your fed up? The fed up for me, Cutters, 
is quite obvious on the men's side. We have a new US Open champion. His name is Dominic Team. This man was the first man in 71 years to come from two sets to love down in a final. It was the first time in the open era for someone to do that. And it was the first time in the open closed era to do that. Yep. He was the first man since Poncho Gonzalez in 1949. Ah, yes. Who, when he wasn't winning matches with his back to the wall, was on stage as one of the Muppets. Uh, Poncho <laughs> Gonzalez, everyone's favorite fictitious that, player. That must uh, be that must be a fake. There is no way that that is a real guy's name. I, I'm pretty sure that that's some sort of in-joke amongst the stat guys at various commentary teams <laughs> that when they don't know the answer, they go, oh, you know, they're having a beer later that night. Yeah, and so, you know, I was looking back. Oh, did you pull a poncho? Yeah, yeah, pulled a poncho. <laughs> There's no way that that's a real name for a person. <laughs> Although if you look at the French Open trophy... Poncho Gonzalez features throughout that list at different points. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> the Cutters' Dominic team also became the first Austrian to lift the trophy. So uh, other Austrians have actually won the trophy, but they had pathetically weak arms, so they just admired it from a distance. Uh, so there you go. He uh, pockets a sweet three million US dollars and now moves to number three in the world. Going one step ahead of the Fed. So it mm. feels like a legitimate fed-up call, Catters. So the other fed-up, of course, is the winner on the women's side, Naomi Osaka. What an absolute champion. Only 22 years of age. She now has her third title. And from three Grand Slam finals, the first person in two decades to go 3-0 in finals. So she is now, with three slams, just a mere 20 slams off Serena. So quietly <laughs> mowing her down. But of course, she was exceptional, Curtis. Coming from 6-1 down and a break and then absolutely storming home in incredible style. But for me, of course, as we referenced last pod, that she was playing for more than herself. Curtis, she has been a wonderful social justice advocate and... In this tournament, it was her aim to put a greater spotlight on racial inequality and police brutality. And she did so, Catters, this tournament by wearing her face mask on court. And each round she played, all seven matches she played, she had a different name of an African-American, a victim of law enforcement shooting or brutality. Mm. Incredible statement. So she's done something that Djokovic's line judge will never do again, and that is to have a significant voice uh, <laughs> on an issue. So, look, it is so wonderful to have such an amazing player, such a humble individual, but also such a passionate advocate in Naomi Osaka. But it did make me wonder, Catters, if you were to highlight a cause, if you were to wear names on a face mask when you entered the stadium, Catters, what would they be? Lightning, look, I'd love to say that I would be as altruistic as Naomi Osaka, but I don't have that level of maturity of and poise that she... <laughs> has in spite of the fact that her being almost half my age i wish i was a more rounded person and i wish i was a more selfless soul like naomi and i don't want to trivialize what she's done because it's incredible but presuming i made it to the final and i had a bevy of options for my seven face mask i gave it a little bit of thought and i'd just like to run through with you how i would see it playing out so okay. 
Yeah, yeah. I would use it as an opportunity to settle some scores, to be honest. So <laughs> first round, Mrs. Baker would be emblazoned across my mask. Look, I know my handwriting wasn't perfect in grade <laughs> six, but you deconstructed it beyond belief and in doing so shattered my confidence as a 12-year-old. And for that, I will never forgive you. Second round, dad slash Santa. I made it very clear in 1993 <laughs> that I didn't just want, but desperately needed a Sega Mega Drive. And that did not show up. Some sort of used Lego was provided in lieu of that. And uh, yeah, suffice to say, <laughs> Christmas was cancelled that year. Third round. And this one will be probably difficult to fit on a mask, but every girl in my social circle of my teenage years. <laughs> Throw me a freaking retrospective bone. <laughs> Fourth round. Frank Cannon. And that is his actual name. Brilliant. So you could easily substitute that for Poncho Gonzalez. <laughs> Frank, let's put it this way. Your son should never have been the under-14s cricket captain. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there that you putting me as his deputy was just an insult to my intelligence. And may God have mercy on your soul. Quarterfinals. Bernard Tomic. Bernie Tomic. We cheered for you every single year at the Australian Open, and you literally urinated on our collective dreams. Semifinals. England. You know what you've done. And as I would come face-to-face with Sasha Zverev in the final... It would be emblazoned with one word, and that would be lightning. <laughs> How dare you make me prepare for a podcast by asking me to draw up a list of seven names, no less. <sighs> I feel that was cathartic lightning. Uh, what's your poo down? Cutters, oh, uh, for me, it is none other than the Greek god, Stephanos the human Suvlaki Tsitsipas, Itsy Tsitsi, mm. was tipped to win this tournament. And even with Djokovic being defaulted, Tsitsipas is not even featuring in the semis. Will be absolutely shattered. It's hard to picture this man getting himself up off the canvas after he was unable to deliver on this huge amount of potential. I mean, Katas, where does this guy go from now? I mean, I, it's hard to uh, believe being coached by one's parent is a particularly good idea, and yet he persists. The tits of persistence. And uh, Apostolos, his father, is doing the best he can. But, uh, Cutters, when does a parent coaching uh, work out? <laughs> it's a good question. And the jury's still out. I think we can agree, Lightning. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that it's an equal ledger if we balance up all the abusive parents versus... Those, you know, good eggs that have managed to shuffle their children along into the the sphere of success. But for Itzy, I think it's time to break all contact with his dad. We saw it with Zeus and that guy who Zeus was fathered by in the Greek mythology. Oh, Mr. Zeus. (laughs) Exactly. Zeus and Mr. Zeus, they came to a a point in their um, relationship where not only did they say that I'm not going to coach you anymore, it's I don't think we should have any contact. In fact, mm-hmm. I feel that for Itsy Sitsy, there's one path forward and that is adoption. He needs to look 
to Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi and ask if they wouldn't consider adopting him. And what does he bring to the table? Passion and a penchant for good Greek cooking. And I think that that's something that Agassi could use in his life. Well, Curtis, that is the end of Fed Up and Poo Down, except for one segment. You uh, invented a new aspect to Fed Up and Poo Down, and that is the Sasha Shame segment. I wonder if there's anything in this open that precludes to the Sasha Shame element. Yeah, nothing springs to mind. I mean, (laughs) this has pretty much been par for the course since he first emerged onto the the tennis scene. And... uh, yeah, I know I've been critical of the big fella in the past, and, and I'm not proud of it. I'm extremely proud of it. Refer to our previous episodes to hear the audio version of A Smug Smile. So, Sasha, he's going to be okay. You know, I, I've made this comment a few times on our Instagram account over the last 24 hours to people that I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to be all right. I wouldn't go so far to say that he'll succeed in tennis or in life, but he'll be fine. He'll have enough money to be happy, but not too much success to be the Sasha that none of us want to see. So I think it's it was a nice dangling of the carrot, but also a stick of warning, a brutal stick of warning that struck me over the metaphorical forehead last night where I thought, do we want to live in a world where Zverev is successful? And no, because I cannot live in a world where I launch a segment that is then obsolete within a month. I will not have that at all. It would be like Mark the Scud Philippus is coming out of retirement and suddenly finding some sort of work ethic. It would be diabolical, Lightning. So I just get a little bit worried sometimes because I always went on record to say that uh, Wozniaki would never win a Grand Slam. Mm. She fluked her way to the Australian Open. And ever since then, I've just had a strange sense that that I could be wrong on some things. And I don't like that feeling, Lightning. It's I can't quite put my finger on it. And thankfully, you haven't had it crystallized in multiple potentially Emmy-winning podcasts, you know, that could in any ways come back to haunt you. So <laughs> I was going to say, Kat, is the statistics on Zvarev are not particularly good. As someone who is in the top few in the world, he's never had a win against a top 10 player in a slam. <laughs> is that so? That is so. He made the open final, but Catters, he didn't play anyone until Dominic Team ranked lower than 25 in the world. He also had a golden <laughs> run. For me, there was some evidence disclosed in his acceptance speech when he received his fruit platter that he'll be able to put his uh, you know, fruit bun on later tonight. When he said in thanking Dominic Team, his line was, I wish you had missed a little bit more so I could have held up that trophy. (laughs) This is a bloke that feels the only way to succeed is wish his opponent to make more errors. If you hadn't have actually wanted to win the match, I would have done all right. It seemed to work fine with these other chumps I played in the last six rounds. (laughs) I mean, Katis, who would have thought that for Zvarev to be runner-up in a slam, his best chance was with the best three missing, with a global crisis wiping out half the legitimate field, not playing a single player seated lower than 20, and his final opponent cramping, choking, and probably battling corona. I mean, who who could have foreseen that 
That was the pathway to a Grand Slam final runner-up. Oh, Sasha, Sasha. Love it. I didn't understand a word you're saying, but it was, it's not important. Cutter's time to take this night train home to look over the open closed open of 2020. To do so, we want to look back over our predictions. Cutter's, this was the first Grand Slam final since 2016, when neither Djokovic and Dahl or Federer didn't feature. Team was the man who took it out, the first man born in the 1990s to claim a major title. Cutter's team and Osaka were the winners this year. How did you go with your predictions? Lightning, I, I didn't do particularly well on the men's side. I went for Sitsipas, which was a rookie mistake. I should have known that team was the man most likely. Mm. I was surprised, actually, that I didn't go for Djokovic in the first place, but I had a feeling that he was going to snap. I did some <laughs> extra digging into his psychological profile, and I just had a feeling that assault was on the cards. So I'm quite proud of myself for, um, in a way, avoiding... Djokovic as a prediction was a win in itself. So chalk that down as a success. On the women's side, Naomi Osaka was my pick. And I'm very proud of that. I had that feeling that she was going to come home strong in spite of carrying in an injury, which was a little bit of a worry at the start of the tournament. What an amazing woman she's turned out to be. And as you said, 3-0 in her Grand Slam record is phenomenal. She can clearly Mm -hmm. handle the pressure. And I wouldn't mind betting that she sets up some sort of psychological sports counselling for the two finalists of the men's Open this year. (laughs) Well said. Katazai, too, uh, picked Osaka. Was not as game as you in predicting wider than Djokovic, so, of course, I lucked out there. I did, Katazai, have a bone to pick, though. We made our predictions week one of this Open and then went to sleep, woke up to hear the podcast that you had edited and I seem to recall after noting my dark horse was Medvedev and Hans-Juber, I, I made a, another kind of off-handed gag, which I thought was a cracker and can only imagine that you have some vendetta against me because I woke up to find you'd edited out a, a reference I'd put in my dark horse predictions where I had mentioned Azarenka who as an unseeded player made it all the way to the final and was up a set and a break and looking like taking it out only to find it was not crystallized in audio format because of your editing. So Kat is, I, to be honest, I don't know if this is something I can forgive. I was on the verge of podcast prediction glory with it enshrined there and all of a sudden you had to edit it out. So I was disgusted, Catters, to wake up and find that it was absent from the podcast. And, and then the doctor will have to pull it out, Catters. So crying out loud. Anyway, I, I'll, I'll attempt to move on. And I'll need to quickly because Catters, in less than two weeks, the French Open is going to attempt to run a compromised version of its already shambolic self. What are you looking forward to, Catters, about the French Open? Not a lot, in summary. I'm a little worried because we had a great US Open. And if there's one thing we can take away from it was what was missing? The crowds? Possibly. The French? Absolutely. <laughs> so I would have loved to have seen that winning formula be prioritized for future slams. But I have a feeling it's going to be difficult coming up to this French Open yeah. to remove mm. all of the French. So let's see 
how they pull off this tournament on the devil's dirt. I've already put forward my suggestion, which would be just to cancel the tournament indefinitely. That didn't go down that yes. well, uh, particularly because <laughs> I carved it out of the clay with a baguette uh, as a formal sign of protest. <laughs> the officials didn't take kindly to that act. So, um, But, you know... Absolutely. The US Open did a lot right. One of which, of course, was getting all the Frenchies and putting them inside a bubble in a bubble. And so it will be hard to see the French Open doing better than that. Cutters, we need to farewell and we will be doing a preview episode of the French Open very, very soon as it is upon us in in only a week and a half. And you'll hear more from us then. Until then, listeners, we would urge you to listen, share and review this podcast. I looked on the Apple podcast in the tennis section, thinking in such a niche category, Cutters, surely we'd be doing okay. You know, a top 10 finish is admirable. Currently, we don't rate in the top 136 tennis podcasts um in the comedy tennis segment i don't believe we feature in the top 50 no there's not one there but cat as i do want to do a quick shout out to a review that we just had the other day from uh, poncho gonzalez so thank you for that that was uh, well well appreciated <laughs> well cat that's all from us in this open closed open 2020 podcast edition until then Be quiet, please, unless you are being anti-sashist.